athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. Once again, thank you for joining me on another edition of the program. And if you hadn't heard, Tina Turner, the very famous Tina Turner, passed away on Wednesday at the age of 83. And listen, it's Memorial Day weekend, so generally we're throughout the course of today. I'm gonna we're we're gonna take a I'm gonna take a couple of of of, of moments throughout the course of today's program and share uh, some things that I remember uh, from my childhood and music really was a big part of my childhood, especially growing up in the 80s. And uh, really, I found out about Tina Turner in the 80s with What's Love Got to Do With It. But boy, was she a mega star before that with uh, Ike, the Ike and Tina Turner Review and, you know, known as the queen of of rock and roll. And it, I didn't know all of those things, obviously, coming up in the 80s. But as I've grown and gotten older and am really into music, I've got, you know, we've got this really phenomenal record collection of some great records. And, of course, some of the records uh, that we have in our collection are of Ike and Tina Turner as a collective uh, voted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, obviously. Right then, of course, you had the movie that came out, What's Love Got to Do With It, in, uh, was at 93? I believe that's the year that that movie came out. And, uh, you know, to hear Ike Turner saying his party say, a lot of that, uh, some of those happenings <clears throat> could have been disputed. Either way, Tina Turner, and as, as a solo artist, because in the 80s, I mean, it was all about pop. And so, you know, your artists of the 80s, Madonna, you know, even though Michael Jackson and really the Jackson five came out, you know, came out in the seventies, it was really in the eighties that Michael Jackson became this mega star. You've got, you know, Madonna, you've got Lionel Richie, you've got, uh, you know, you know, uh, George Michael and boy, George and Paula Abdul. And I mean, Duran Duran, I mean, the list really goes on and on. And I mean, as big as any of those names, during the 80s, okay, and really throughout the course of her career, and even before that, was Tina Turner passing away at the age of 83. So we may play a couple of other Tina Turner songs. We'll see. But again, with it being Memorial Day weekend, I mean, I've got a lot of memories, a lot of memories. Of course, we always want to thank our troops for uh, for all that they do to keep us protected and uh, we remember our troops, no doubt about it. Got some great memories, some, some fond memories and 
some uh, some music going to be associated with those memories. And you'll hear that today on the program. Listen, it was late uh, last week. We didn't get a chance uh, to talk about the legendary Jim Brown and his passing. Jim Brown, the great Jim Brown passing away at the age of 87. And when I think of Jim Brown, three things come to mind. Football player, movie star, activist, and not necess- and really not in that order. Civil uh, activist and civil rights activist. Not, not in that order per se. He had, th- in essence, three careers, right? Started out great football player with the Browns up until Cleveland, the, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers won that, that championship in, uh, in what, 2016, the Cleveland, the city hadn't won a championship since the Browns won the championships, uh, the uh, NFL championship 50 years before that. Jim Brown, probably, right, like you can always dispute any number of things, the best football player to ever play and one of the greatest athletes. You, you talk about his time at Syracuse as not only a football player, but a lacrosse player, and I believe a basketball player as well, like a phenomenal athlete, walked away from the game. I believe he was 29 years old when he walked away from the game, became this huge movie star, very much sought after, right, because of his popularity uh, with respect to being in the NFL, made a lot more money in movies, And even before his movie stardom, right, he was already a civil rights activist, right? I mean, let's think back to 1967 when a collective of some of the best black athletes in the country came together on behalf and to support Muhammad Ali in his stance against Going to the Vietnam War, Jim Brown pretty much led that movement. You had, you know, part of that, Bobby Mitchell. You had Vin Luau Cinder, now Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and so many other athletes, okay? Um, first black mayor of the, uh, of the city, uh, of a major city, part of that as well. So it, it, was a, it was an iconic moment. And when I think of Jim Brown, didn't see him, you know, didn't obviously didn't see him play. Um, didn't really. I mean, I saw his movies, but after the fact. But really, I think about Bloods and Crips, how he brought a truce or helped bring a truce to the Bloods and Crips in Los Angeles. Now, that's doing something. OK, now he wasn't, you know, he, you know, his football playing days long over. Right. Movie stardom, I wouldn't say long over at that time, but it just shows the impact that Jim Brown had, not just in the national, not not really in the National Football League, but on society and particularly on the black community, right? Phenomenal. When I think of Jim Brown, the word that comes to mind for me, when I think of Jim Brown, excuse me, is hero, okay? Old enough to remember, the Bloods and Crips and, you know, some of the great things that he did in the 90s. Um, Again, just being a person who loves history, 
going back to that iconic, uh, the, uh, that iconic picture, Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, <clears throat> Lou Alcindor, now Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bobby Mitchell, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the great black athletes of the time coming to support Muhammad Ali, um, just in just an iconic photo. And, uh, you know, again, when I think of Jim Brown, I think of him being a hero. Now, of course, I, you know, I think about some of the movies uh, of the 70s. The mo- I can't think of the name of the movie. He, in, in, in the groundbreaking, the movie he played with in, in with Raquel Welch, where, where there was a, a kissing, I think it was a kissing scene or, you know, some kind of interact action between those two talking about a black man and a white woman that was that was really forbidden in movies during that time almost and certainly if you were in the south it probably would have either uh, uh, not shown that part of the movie or not played the movie at all so this man was groundbreaking in football in movies and in civil rights of course you think about his football days you think about at one time the leading rusher of all time i mean in what nine seasons he had like twelve thousand yards rushing over twelve thousand yards rushing that record stood for a long time until of course walter payton came along and broke that and then emmett smith came along and broke walter payton's record and you know but phenomenal i mean just a, a phenomenal man and uh so actually uh, today on the program, had a chance to catch up with Jim Brown back in, I think it was 2009, and big shots out to Texas Southern University because we were able to get that interview via Texas Southern University's public relations office or communications office, um, as it were, um, at the time. And I, I don't remember, I think he, he was doing something with Texas Southern, and we were able to get that interview and had a sit down probably, I don't know, I don't know, uh, you know, maybe 15-minute conversation. We'll replay part of that conversation today on the program. And, uh, wow, just just reflection anytime I think about uh, Jim Brown. So, also today on the program, we're going to talk some NBA, right? The Lakers got swept. Who saw that coming? Didn't see them that coming. Um, thought even after game one, I, I didn't I didn't think that the Lakers could win the series necessarily, but I thought it was going to be a heck of a series and come down maybe to seven games, and it didn't. Four games. Now LeBron James in, in the aftermath. I don't know. I don't think he's going to re- retire. Like, I don't know, but in the aftermath, he was talking about retirement, but I think it was fresh. But I think it, it's calculated, right? And I think some of the things he had to say post-game, I think – not only were aimed at the organization, but were aimed directly at Anthony Davis, okay? Now, you could talk to me about the numbers all day, and I'm going to continue to say it. When I look at professional sports, it's not necessarily to me about the numbers. And listen, Anthony Davis had decent numbers. He played good defense. But when you, re- when you really needed him offensively, first game, sure, 40 points, 10 rebounds on cue for second game. What do you have? Like 13. I mean, he just didn't shoot. Well, it's got to get some help. And I think some of LeBron's comments were directed at Anthony Davis. And, and, and it's not, you know, when you look at this series, it wasn't really a duo, right? Like I get it. AD played good, good defense, but you had, you know, um, Reeves played well. 
Hachimura played well, you know, and, and probably above where they were supposed to play. Anthony Davis, not so much. So we're going to talk uh, some NBA playoffs also today here on the program. Also still to come here on Box to Row, a tribute to Jim Brown. We had a chance to have Jim Brown on the program back in 2009. Going to replay part of that interview with Jim Brown. As I mentioned, still some NBA playoff talk still to come here on the program. It is Memorial Day weekend. And when I think about this song, it takes me back to 1988 or so. I was a little leaguer playing baseball. And this song reminds me of that. Listen, sit back, relax, and enjoy a Memorial Day weekend edition of Box to Row. Hardcore dance that has gotten to be a little bit out of control. It's cool to dance, but what about a groove to suit? Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? We can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately. Yes, sell your home and get cash all over the phone without dealing with real estate agents or having to waste time showing your home to lukewarm buyers. You don't need to lose your house to foreclosure. If you have equity in your home, we'll buy your home and give you cash within days, all in a simple over-the-phone and virtual process. Call now before your situation gets worse. Sell a home you can't afford or just need anymore and get the cash you need today. Call this number now. Call 800-507-3116-800-507-3116-800-507-3116 That's 800-507-3116 The old renaissance is the new renaissance standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. All Weaver Street Markets. Harris Teeter. Food Lion. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, and Barica Soul. On last week's From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Woody McLean Power Book 2 Ghost, he plays the role of Kane. You know, I knew you were a fam you guy, right? But I didn't know you were part of the Marching 100. That was an amazing experience, man. It taught me a lot of discipline and it taught me brotherhood as well. You know, coming up with my freshman brothers, went through a lot, taught me a lot. It taught me how to struggle, it taught me how to get over the struggle. Fam you strikers, that also taught me rhythm. They taught me how to dance. I didn't start dancing until college. I seen the ladies loving the guys on stage dancing. I'm looking around, I'm like, well, maybe I need to start dancing. You know what I mean? <laughs> From the Press Box to Press Row is one of the hottest sports talk shows in the country. Joey Donald each week as he takes you on a journey through the world of HBCU sports and pro sports and interviews with top sports and entertainment figures. That's from the Press Box to Press Row each week on your favorite station. The others pretend you're listening to the show that brings you up close and personal. Up close and personal. 
with the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Here's the man to bring it to you, Donald Ware. Welcome back to the program. You want to participate here on the conversation as we celebrate the life and times of the one and only, the great, the legendary hero, Jim Brown. Hit me up on Twitter at dware one at dware one As mentioned, back in 2009, had a chance to catch up with Jim Brown. We covered a lot. Matter As a matter of fact, it was a 20-minute conversation. We're going to condense it, obviously. In this segment, we covered a whole lot. Very fascinating. want you to listen uh, to this conversation with the one and only Jim Brown. And again, that's going back to 2009. Well, I had nine years of, uh, you know, football. And it was a wonderful experience because at the time, you know, there was a little discrimination in the country. And uh, we were able to work through a lot of that. Uh, we had some very beautiful uh, players who got along very well. We were able to win the world championship, played for it three times. And uh, we had a coach, Blanton Collier, who we all loved. For the last three years, I had a great time because I could do all the things I wanted to do. And finally, I retired at the age of 29 years old. I was MVP of the league, and we'd played for the championship in our last two years. So I thought that would be a good way to exit that career and go into the movies but i've truly enjoyed my professional career and i didn't play for the money i played for the love of the sport right which is a lot is a lot different today and we'll, we'll talk a little bit of, uh, more about that and you you definitely spoke of of of, of the t- sign of the times um racism i mean it, it certainly is still rampant today but uh you know certainly i think during those times um, a little more blatant. Uh, just talk about playing during that time with it really, with it being the way it was, and how tough uh, it was for you being a, a star athlete. Well, you know, I'll give a good example of that. Uh, we were playing in Cleveland, Ohio. Eighty thousand people in the stands. They're cheering for you. You win a game, they go crazy, and then you go into the community, and there's a restaurant that you can't go into because you're black. Mm -hmm. Now you have to struggle with the fact that your hero (laughs) on the field, all these people are cheering for you, but then when you walk out as a man, you cannot go to a restaurant. And that is very difficult to deal with. And uh, I had to understand uh, many things and keep in mind the big picture so that I would do the right things so that progress can be made and other individuals would benefit from the things that we did, and they wouldn't have to grow through some of those particular embarrassments. That is the voice of Pro Football Hall of Famer Jim Brown joining us here on From the Press Box to Press Right. I'm sure it had to be uh, especially tough for you with the, uh, you know, as tough a player um, as, as, as you were um, and some of the things that you're really doing now, some of the, the great things that you have done uh, for a lot of people in, in society. I mean, I know those times in, in terms of having to d- deal with that and, and be a star on the field and then not, not even being able to go in a restaurant um, after after a game, after having a, you know probably a magnificent game. I mean, I'm, I'm sure those things really, really got at you. Well, I've expressed it pretty much the way I looked at it. I didn't. It didn't throw me off because my goal was to be the best football player I could and to try to win championships. 
and to make, you know, uh, a decent living. And that was accomplished. So as I look back, I appreciated the things that I went through and the way that I came through them because uh, I've had a successful life, and that was a part of it. You know, there's a, a photo of a time when you brought together some of the great athletes, um, and I believe this happened in 1967 to rally behind Muhammad Ali on his reasons for um, rejecting the draft in, in terms of the Vietnam War. Uh, Bill Russell, Lou Alcindor, who's, of course, now um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, yourself, Bobby Mitchell, Paul Warfield, just to name a few. Uh, can you take us back to that time and talk about how important it was to have some of those uh, uh, the best black athletes at, at that time come together? Well, at the time, I had founded an organization called the Black Economic Union, which dealt with uh, economic development of black people. Produce, achieve, and, pro- achieve and prosper was our motto. Uh, the expertise and the capital was the two things we needed to become entrepreneurial. And I knew that economic development was important to the black community, so I organized the athletes and some of the young MBAs from the best schools in the country. And we eventually uh, are able to start over 400 black businesses that contribute to the uh, starting of 400 black businesses and uh, with these bright young men and the top athletes. So Muhammad Ali was a sensible person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Mm-hmm. And there were all kinds of stories, and they were basically harassing him and threatening him and so forth and so on. So I decided that we should meet with him, call all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city, mm-hmm. and discuss the situation with him, get the real story with the idea that if it's real, then we're going to back him. So John Wooten, who was my executive director of the Black Economic Union, called everybody. Everybody responded, paid their own ways in, paid for the hotel room, and we met with Muhammad Ali for about five hours. And in that meeting, we were convinced that the only reason he wasn't going to service was because of his religious beliefs. And when we came out and had our press conference, we expressed that as a total unit, and therefore giving him support of the top black athletes in the country, which made it much easier for him uh, as he pursued his uh, career. And uh, it was a great time because that is a historical picture. Mm -hmm. And everyone there came there because they wanted to be there. And uh, no agents, managers, or lawyers, just the athletes ourselves. But I'd like to say something too. You see, pretty much in those days, we went to college for four years. We got our education. We, we believed in education. We believed in the mind. We knew football was just a a, 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 a road to a certain kind of success, but your education was going to be with you the rest of your life. So uh, when we stood up uh, for Ali, we understood that it was a highly important gesture because if it was about his religion, then they could not just throw him in jail mm-hmm. and throw away the keys. So I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. And, and, and Mr. Brown, how was at that time in terms of um, the media and in, in society as a whole, as, 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 as the great black athletes came together for that, how was that received? Well, we were called malcontents <laughs> and locker room lawyers because the thing that they want us to do is just be quiet and be grateful. Mm-hmm. But we had some real warriors, man. Bill Russell is a warrior. 
You know, Bobby Mitchell was a warrior. Sidney Williams was a warrior. Kareem was a youngster, but he was right there with us. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to stand up for what we believed was right. And Ali had no fear, and he was very outspoken. So the media would have probably hoped that we were just some young men that would go on and play football and be glad to make a living. That is the voice of Mr. Jim Brown joining us here on the program. You, you alluded a little bit to to, um, to, uh, to how things were when you played back then. I, I just kind of want to get your thoughts on on today's game and uh, just just as a whole. Well, today's game is driven by the media coverage. You know, all the graphics, all the statistics, the uh, presentation is fantastic. A lot of exciting football. The playoff system is a good system. But the game itself has become more entertainment than sport. Mm -hmm. And individuals are now concentrating on the performance after an ordinary play or a good play. And I think it takes away from the quality of, of, of the game. And I think the money is the reason that a lot of these individuals are more interested in themselves and their ability to be an entertainer, you know, to dance in the end zone and those kind of things. And for a pure uh, uh, sports person, that's not uh, a welcome kind of sight because we believe that your performance speaks for itself. You don't have to embroider, it, embroider the performance with a lot of other things, hijinks. And, uh, but yet, there's some great athletes and great performers. And it's almost a contradiction because, you know, a rookie comes in and get a $20 million bonus and don't play a lick. And then a veteran goes up for free agency and they get rid of him. Mm -hmm. So everything is kind of turned backwards on the, you know, because of the, uh, the Players Association and the, uh, uh, the bargaining system between the league and the union. And the agents are looking to break the bank so there are a lot of things that are working against the quality of the football, but yet there is some ex great excitement and there are some great, great performers. That's the voice of Jim Brown joining us here on the program. Uh, you mentioned retiring at the age of 29. You, you definitely went out on top. Um, you've done, obviously, some great things. Do you uh, or did you or do you ever regret the decision to retire at that time? Just the opposite. I'm very happy that I had the common sense, at least, to retire on time. Mm -hmm. And when I told you 29 years old, MVP of the league, played for the championship the last two years, three-pitcher deal with, with Paramount, making the dirty dozen, it couldn't be better because no one can ever challenge that. They can never say I was on the downside of my career. And I'm very proud that I was able to understand the fact that football was a wonderful profession but it was only a profession. It was not who I am. It was what I did. Mm -hmm. And I went on to uh, make movies and to become a social activist and make a contribution to the betterment of my community. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy that I did not stay around and think that football was the end to all things. And I think a lot of individuals do stay around too long and they, you know, they damage their legacy. And it's not worth it. Rest in peace to the one and only Jim Brown. Our conversation with Jim Brown going back to 2009 right here on the program. You've got it locked to the program. I am your host, 
Donald Ware. Are the Miami Heat in trouble despite having a 3-2 lead? You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That, of course, the voice of Bianca Belair. EST is in the building. That's what Sasha Banks and I are going to do. We're going to uh, WrestleMania. We're going to create history. We're going to be the first two black females to have a title match at WrestleMania. I would say representation is it's not a request. It's a requirement, and I'm going to, to try to become SmackDown Miss Champion. But it's more than just creating a moment and becoming a champion. Just by us standing in the ring, we are representation for women and for Black women. And so that's an amazing feeling to be able to be that, be that person and be on that platform and the greatest of them all. And and be able to create history. It's just, it's an honor. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can, no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, it's really focused. just really, you know, excited. Rob Manfred is the commissioner of Major League Baseball. Players that have been accused in their career of using performance-enhancing drugs, should they be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? I'm going to focus on one word in your question, okay? Accused. Players who have tested positive or there's otherwise been real solid proof that they were involved with performance-enhancing drugs, I think that Hall of Fame writers are entitled to make their own judgment about those players as to whether they think that performance-enhancing drugs or their use of performance-enhancing drugs should prevent them from being in the Hall of Fame. You cannot determine who used performance-enhancing drugs by the way a player looks. It's simply not possible. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years you can get to it. <laughs> Man, you know what it's good? And, and, and uh, you're encouraging people to be better and do better. And, and that's what I love, man. So thank you. I appreciate you. I'm talking about none other than common. Well, I ended up in Sam just because I wanted to major in business. And Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. Then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. NBA All-Star Chris Paul. That was great to bring it back to Winston-Salem State University, a uh, black college. Something that my city had never seen before, may never see again. And just having a up-close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Melodes. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. He is Stephen A. Smith. Congratulations on all the things y'all have done. Congratulations. Keep up the hard work. Winston-Salem State, where I had an absolute ball. The only part that was bad uh, was the basketball because my first year there, I cracked my kneecap in half. If I had one thing that I could do over, it would be that I would be there 100% healthy so I could really showcase what I could do. But outside of that, there's absolutely nothing that I would have changed. It was the greatest years of my life. Simone Biles. I guess I just go in there with a positive, open mind of just doing what we do in training and going out there and doing the best that we can do and just have fun with it. I didn't really think of the outcome, but I knew that we had been training hard and we were re- we were just ready. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. He called all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So. 
I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me, play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Still, you football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have going to Division One. Kyrie Irving. Playing at Duke for Coach K. What was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a you know, big package for you to become a better player, but for me it was. Playing for Coach K, he gave me the keys to, to the car and I was driving it in the first eight games and you know, being a part of something special like that and having a brotherhood built at an institution such as that one is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. And you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's From the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant, radio. Thank you for joining me on this Memorial Day weekend edition of Box to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. We've talked some a little NBA. We've talked all, specifically the Lakers. We've uh, talked a little Jim Brown on the program um, as well. Tina Turner also uh, passing uh, earlier this week as well. I want to talk Miami Heat. I think that... In, in, in the Celtics, for that matter. I think that the Miami Heat are in a bit of trouble right now. I felt like this after Game 4. Now, we saw what happened in Game 3, and every most people were talking about the fact that the Celtics had quit and it was going to be a sweep and all of those kind of things. And to me, um, you know, I, I favored the Celtics in this series. I mean, I think... When you talk about the Miami Heat, the thing about it to me, the Celtics are a not only a more talented team, but by far a more talented team. Okay, when you talk about pure talent, I think where the variables come into this is when you talk about Eric Spolstra, okay, as a head coach and all the experience that he has uh, opposed to the other side. We got a rookie head coach. So I think that's where things sort of even themselves out. And I think through the first three games, we saw a, a vast difference in the coaching, particularly in the first two games, game three, for whatever reason, inexplicably was one of those games in a game that the Celtics could not afford to have at that time. You don't want to go down 3-0 because as we know, when you look at the history of the NBA, no team has ever come back down three to nothing, ever. Now, this could be the year that it it could happen. And, and, and you can look at a number of different things. I mean, uh, let's look at it akin to college basketball. Well, for so many years, a number 16 seed had never beaten a number one seed. Now we've seen it twice in what the last four or five years going back to Virginia a couple of years ago uh, before, when when Virginia lost to UMBC as a Virginia as a number one seed before of course the following year winning the national championship and then we saw it this year we saw it this past 
March Madness or the the tournament. We saw it this, so it could. You know, it's it's not like it can't happen. We've seen a couple of times where a team has had, and as a matter of fact, it's happened three times where a team has had a three zero lead, and we have gone to a game seven, but it's it's never happened. This I think is the year that it will happen. Let's look at the first two games. Um, clearly, coaching played a big part in this, and of course, you know Jimmy Butler really rose to the occasion, uh, especially when I think back uh, to game two. I look at game three, I think that was a bit of an aberration because, you know, the Celtics already down 2-0. You, I, I, you know, they, and, and we've seen this. from that, That's the thing. Like, we act like this is something new from the Celtics. We've seen this from the Celtics really throughout the course of these playoffs. Go back to the Atlanta series when they had a chance to close it out three to one at home and lose. Remember that was the whole Janet Jackson deal because Janet Jackson was supposed to play um, in Atlanta on the same day for game six between the Hawks and the Celtics, right? So we've seen this sort of from the Celtics. Uh, You know, I think you do have a, 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 you know, when you have a, 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 a rookie head coach in these kind of moments, it, it, it does make, a bit of a difference, but I think Joe Mazzula's really, he, he really made some adjustments. His guys really, his guys responded. That's the thing about it. In game three, the guys responded, the Celtics responded. And then in game four, I, I like, let me go back to game four because I felt like after that game and it was a close game, even in the fourth quarter. And obviously the Celtics pull it out. I'm like, Man, and, and after that game, in the my immediate afterthought after the game and watching that game and having watched the series was if the Celtics take this this thing or this deal, or this series, or the rest of this series, one game at a time. If they take it one game at a time, I think they have an opportunity to pull this out because – Look at what was in favor and what was ahead for the Celtics. You win a must-win game. On the, I mean, we talk about must-win. There's no more. I mean, must-win is overrated, right? You talk about a team down 2-0 or, you know, 2-1 or even 3-1. Must-win really applied here because if you lose, you go home. So, I mean, I, I guess this was a, it obviously was a must-win game. And the Celtics responded, okay? In game five on Thursday, the Celtics never trailed in the ballgame. Never trailed. By the way, if you're the Heat, you've got to have everyone, if the Celtics are at their best and the Heat are at their best, then that's that's a, coaching aside. Okay, just pure talent, that's a win for the Celtics. No disrespect to the Heat. The Heat has obviously have Jimmy Butler. I mean, you can look at Bam Adebayo and some of these, you know, Martin's playing well and Vincent is playing well, but a lot of these guys, you know, Robinson, they play as a collective, and I think part of that is in response to the head coach who's one of the best in the game, and when it's all said and done, going to be one of the best 
to ever do it in Eric Spolstra, right? That said, you don't have Vincent for game five. That was huge. In other words, Miami has to be at full strength, I think. I mean, I I get it, Kyle Lowry. They've got some players. But if you want to go player for player, right, you go Jason Tatum, one of the top five players in the league. Then you go Jalen Brown. I mean, think about this. Malcolm Brogdon is coming off the bench. This guy is a bona fide starter in this league, and he's coming off the bench, right? So, you know, there's – this, the, the Heat doesn't have a tandem. I mean, you could look at, you know, you could look at Bam, but not really, right? Like, you know, he's he's a center. He's going to give you some defense. I mean, he can do some things offensively. But if I, I, I mean, I'm going to take, for me, I'm going to take Tatum and Brown over Bam and Jimmy Butler. Okay, and but that's not even to mention you got Marcus Smart. I mean, White, you know, really played well, and we're seeing the Celtics start to take shape in terms of the Celtics we saw in last postseason, especially in the Eastern Conference Finals, okay? When these two teams matched up last year. So, to me, Miami has to be at full strength, not having Vincent hurt, but I think it would, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really sure if, if he could have played, and I really don't even know his, I'm not sure of his status. I know he went down, I saw him go down, uh, in game four, I thought that was big, and I thought, especially it was late in the game, I thought it would loom large in this game, especially if he couldn't play, and it did. The Celtics never trailed in this basketball game. I think the saving grace for game six for the Heat, the game is in Miami. I think that helps the Heat, but that being said, if you're the Celtics, Again, some adjustments by Missoula have been made. I think you figured a couple of things out. And to me, I know there was a lot of criticism around Missoula, okay? And maybe some of the things he wasn't doing, some of the adjustments, perhaps the moment was too big for him. No, I put that on the players. That's on the players more than it is on Missoula. It's not like, you know, and even when you go back, to game three that was a blowout that's not on Missoula the players have to come play and have to come own that and I think the players particularly Tatum and Brown own that and this is why we saw what we saw in game four okay tight ball game again in the fourth quarter but the Celtics able to eke it out then you go to Boston and you know you win a game by double digits you know, a 20-point lead or as much as a 24-point lead. And the Celtics never trailed in the game, right? So, again, now I move on. I go to now, what are the expectations? What to expect for game six? Well, I expect a lot of the same from the Celtics. I expect the Celtics to be hitting on all cylinders. I think I think even though, I, you know, again, for me, game three was on the players, there have been some things that Joe Missoula has needed to do. And uh, I think he has made those adjustments. Uh, a lot of them, maybe not even defensively. See, this is the thing. Like last year we saw from the Celtics, particularly against the Nets, where the Celtics really bottled up Kevin Durant. Like I had never seen Kevin Durant bottled up like that. Um, I think Missoula, it's not as much about coaching as it w- was with uh 
Udoka, but at the same time, you know, when the, the Celtics have needed to, you know, play some defense, we've seen that uh, from, from them. But again, moving forward for the Celtics, I think we're going to see more of the same from the Celtics in terms of what we've seen the last couple of games. Yeah, I get it. Jimmy Butler only had 15 points. But that's my point. Like one player cannot for, for some time maybe can carry a team, but it's not going to continue. They're not going to Butler's not going to be able to continue to carry the heat. Other guys and other players are going to have to step up. Um, you know, I, I, I again, I do think that a lot of this, and you, I'm looking at the numbers, okay, Butler had 14, um, Bam had 16 points in the game, you know, Martin had 14, Robinson had 18. I mean, that's decent. But, I mean, you've got to get more from Lowry. Struess has got to give you, he's got to give you more uh, considering what he's already given you. Like, that's what I'm saying. For the Heat, it really has to be all hands on deck for the Miami Heat if they want to win this but I just feel like the Celtics are a little bit too strong. You look at the balanced scoring of the Celtics starting to kind of come around, and it has these last couple of games. And I definitely think this goes to a game seven, and for the first time in history, we're going to see a team down 3-0 come back and win a series 4-3. to Your thoughts, hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. We've got more of the program on the other side. Stay tuned. It's a Memorial Day weekend edition of Box to Row. This is how we do every day, all day. This is how we do, this is how we do. Smith and West don't play. This is how we do, this is how we do. Every day, all day. This is how we do. Click, 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 and night. Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? We can come to the rescue and pay you cash for your home immediately. Yes, sell your home and get cash all over the phone without dealing with real estate agents or having to waste time showing your home to lukewarm buyers. You don't need to lose your house to foreclosure. If you have equity in your home, we'll buy your home and give you cash within days. All in a simple over-the-phone and virtual process. Call now before your situation gets worse. Sell a home you can't afford or just need anymore and get the cash you need today. Call this number now. Call 800-507-3116. 800-507-3116. 800-507-3116. That's 800-507-3116. It's Donald Ware, from the press box to press row. Welcome back to Box to Row. You can participate here on the conversation. Hit us up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Of note, particularly for our listeners in North Carolina, and really anywhere, really, uh, we are... Uh, going to resume our sixth 
countdown to kickoff. The sixth countdown to kickoff going to take place on Saturday, July the 15th. So put that on your calendar if you're unfamiliar with the countdown to kickoff. It's when we have the coaches uh, from the HBCUs here in North Carolina. They come and uh, we do a show, have some camaraderie. We're going to have a big sort of a big deal. The public is always invited. We haven't listed the time or the place as of yet. Still trying to finalize that. But the event will take place Saturday, July the 15th. Mark your calendars. Mark your calendars. It's a time to come out and uh, talk with, uh, some again, some of the coaches uh, from the respective HBCUs uh, here in North Carolina. I, I do I feel like the event's going to take place somewhere here in the Triangle uh, in the Raleigh-Durham area. So, uh, again, mark that on your calendars. And then, uh, so that's July 15th. Uh, then on July the 24th, the HBCU Football Daily Podcast returns. So we're, you know, in a situation where football season is right around the corner. We're inside of two months uh, for training camps in the National Football League, we're really in all well about two months away or so uh, from college football uh, camps opening up as well. So we've got you know college football, the NFL right around the corner, and you know I look forward I look forward to uh, the the football season. Really, it's uh, you know this time of year. For me, and this being Memorial Day weekend, I mean, I you know, I'm thoroughly enjoy it. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, it's supposed it's supposed to rain here in Raleigh, and it's raining, but pretty much all weekend, which you know, I mean, that kind of sucks, right? But you know, I think Monday, maybe towards the afternoon or something like that, it's going to let up a little bit. But it's not going to stop me uh, and us, the family. We're, we're going to listen. Gonna get on that smoker, right? The, the, the family uh, for my birthday, I think uh, last year, bought me a smoker. So we're gonna get on that smoker. Uh, I got a, I got a, 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 uh, a pork butt that's ready to go. Gonna season that bad boy up, and uh, you know, smoke it for a good, you know, however, you know, fifteen hours or uh, whatever, making sure that the 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 temperature, the temperatures are steady. Got to get them wood chips. Rocking and rolling that charcoal, uh, rocking and rolling. And again, the temperature not cooperating as much. So got to pay special attention. You want to, you know, kind of keep it around the 220, 225 range. Um, and it's going to be some good eating, you know, and I'm looking very much looking forward to that. What What are you doing for your Memorial Day weekend? What are you, are you, are you getting together depending upon where you are? I mean, but for us that are going to experience bad weather, um, and I know, you know, maybe not up and down the eastern seaboard, but uh, on the eastern side, particularly in the south, when you're talking about North Carolina, South Carolina, the weather uh, forecast is not favorable, uh, right? So what are you planning to do? You, are you going to, uh, is, is, is the weather going to damper your mood? What are your plans? You know, I'd like to kind of know what your plans are for Memorial Day or for Memorial Day weekend. Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Twitter, uh, or on Facebook, I should say, uh, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. As I mentioned, 
Okay, a little basketball is going to come with that on Saturday. Uh, I think we're going to play a game on on Monday as well. When you're talking about the Eastern Conference Finals, I think we're gonna we're gonna well we are gonna play a game on Saturday, and I believe there will be a game played on Sunday because this is the other thing about this series, right? Again, to me, after Game Four in which the Heat the Celtics won, Heat lost. I really felt like if the Celtics take this thing one game at a time, they're the better team. The Celtics are the more talented team, right? Plus, <clears throat> what was favorable is for the Celtics, you got one you got one of those on the road. The must win was on the road. You go back for game five Thursday, and that's at home. Get the home crowd behind you. Um, and 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 you know, obviously they led from start to finish. Now you got to go back on the road, and even though that you would think would favor a little bit, uh, or actually a lot, you would think that that would favor Miami. Um, it 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 will, but I still think that um, you know, I, I still I I still think the Celtics win this. I think the Celtics find a way. I think it's going to be a closer game. You know, I think Jimmy Butler's going to, you know, I mean, he even said after the postgame, it's not who we are in terms of the way that the Heat have played over these last two games. But I think, in a, yeah, because it, 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 the Heat are all about the team concept, the individuals, even Jimmy Butler. I mean, I think Jimmy Butler is a clutch player. But when we think about the skill set of Jimmy Butler, right? Like, to me, he's more clutch than skill set, right, where I look at Tatum and it's the opposite for me, although Tatum has come up clutch at times. It's more skill set. I look at Tatum, I'm like, this dude has all the skills in the world. And it's not to say that Butler doesn't because Butler, he's a tough guy, right? He's going to take it right at you. He's going to get a lot of foul calls. He gets a lot of, he gets a, he goes to the free throw line a whole lot. But from a pure skill set, I mean, I'm taking Jason Tatum, but Jimmy Butler is clutch. But <clears throat> you can be a clutch player, okay, and maybe not have the skill set. I mean, you know, we we saw uh, in the in we we saw in the Philadelphia series from Jason Tatum where he dropped the fifty one points, right? I mean, we've seen now we've seen also uh, Jimmy Butler come up clutch uh, and be unstoppable as well, uh, right? But with a Jimmy Butler, he's gonna need a he's gonna need more help because he, he he can't he's not gonna be able to carry he has to to some degree to some degree right but he's had contributions from Robinson and guys we didn't expect Martin and and and, and Vincent and these guys have really contributed I mean we knew that Bam was going to do what Bam does I mean he's a he's a he's a he's a good center plays good defense, can get you buckets, is good around the rim. I mean, we know that he's a solid player. But to get some of these other contributions, you know, I mean, even from, you know, they're going to need a little bit more. I mean, I think Kevin Love's going to have to dig down for some of that championship experience that he has. The same with Kyle Lowry. Lowry's going to have to come and play. I mean, between these two guys, 
you're talking about a total of 11 points. Now I realize Love only, you know, he didn't play that much, and Lowry plays a lot. They've got to get more from a Lowry. I think he's key because Lowry can hit buckets. Lowry's a tough guy too. He takes charges. He can drive to the hole, right? He can knock down that three-pointer with a hand in his face. They've got to get contributions, men in the heat, from all sides. It can't just be about Jimmy Butler if the Heat expect to win this game. And I think certainly, I mean, I think it goes seven and I, I think the Celtics do pull it out. But I'm telling you, if the Heat, you know, they don't win, if the Heat doesn't win or don't win this game, it's a wrap. You're going back to Boston and, and yeah, I get it. I mean, I got it. The Heat won two games, the first two games in Boston to start the series. Games one and two are a different animal than a game seven, okay? And I get it. Heat, Heat's been there before. I got all that. But we saw in a, in a closeout deal, you know, what a Tatum can do. Brown is just... Super steady, pretty consistent. Tatum, maybe not as much, but I mean, he he can give you 20 points and not do much. I mean, he's just that great of a player, top five player in the league, certainly was in the MVP running and certainly should have been. We'd just like to see a little bit more consistency. And I think when you start to see the consistency from Tatum, because remember, he's still young, look out. I mean, you're going to be talking about the best player in the NBA size, skill set, length, toughness. I mean, a guy can just play ball, right? And I was, you know, I've said this on many occasions. I mean, it was a blessing to be in the building when Jason Tatum became Jason Tatum going back to 2016 uh, when he was at Duke that only year when Duke uh, played Carolina uh, at Cameron Indoor. So, but again, to me, you know, we we can argue. You know, to me, it clear. It's clear to me, and I don't know how you feel about this, but it's clear to me the Celtics are the more talented team. It's just the fact of can the Celtics the, the, the now. But again, <clears throat> the Heat has played more collectively. But you, you know, Kyle Lowry's got to step up. Jimmy Butler, uh, you know, and, and and Kevin Love have to be better. Vincent coming back, and then how is he going to be on that ankle if he comes back uh, for Game Six? You missed the game. You know, and I, it, it probably was the right thing to do because you still had some cushion if you're the Heat, but Vincent's got to come and step up as well. So we'll see how this series plays out. Look, my time is about up. I thank you for yours. Again, a reminder, the countdown, the Boxer Row countdown to kick off for our listeners in Carolina and really everywhere. Going to take place Saturday, July 15th. Check out our website, BoxerRow.com, for more information as we solidify date or excuse me, place and time, but mark on your calendars Saturday, July the 15th for the countdown to kick off. If you missed our our conversation last week with actor Woody McClain, check it out on our website right now at BoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support you. Box to Row is produced by DW Communications.